Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today is episode 85 and it's a new Q&A and street challenge episode and I'm happy to have my good friend and former student Ken Lyons on the show all the way from Australia. And after answering a few listener questions, we will give the names of the winners of the last street challenge and announce a new one before giving our picks of the week. Uh, welcome, Ken. So are you uh, recovered from jet lag? Uh, well, hello, Valerie. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. And yes, I am finally recovered from jet lag. This was probably the first time that I've had a bit of an issue. So it really? took me three or four days. Yeah. yeah. I think I got back on the Tuesday and I just wasn't sleeping very well until the following Saturday and then I crashed. <laughs> I it's a long way from... Italy to Southern Australia. So I want to let the listeners know that Ken was just on my workshop in Rome and we intended on recording this episode there and you know how it goes. Uh, we never got around to doing it. So I said, well, that's okay. We'll do it after we're both back home rested. And, uh, and so we decided to do this Q and A together. Um, so tell, tell our listeners, you, you were on the show once a long time ago, but tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work. Okay. Um, well, I'm, as you said, I'm from Southern Australia, so the state of South Australia, essentially right in the middle, right there in the bottom, uh, in a small rural town, 3,000 people or so. I, I guess I'm a, a generalist photographer at the moment. Because of my location, I need to shoot various things to, um, to make a living at it. Um, but my passion, the things that I like to shoot, uh, street and travel photography. So that's what I try to do as much as I can. Mm. But I tend to do other things as well, other, other genres. I need to have um, a small panel discussion about being a street photographer in a very small town or in a rural area. So probably um, see if some of the listeners want to send me a note and want to participate because it'd be fun to have a, a panel of maybe three or four street photographers from different parts of the world who live in a small town and how do they keep it fresh? Uh, don't you think that would be a good uh, good topic? I, I think it'd be great. Um, yeah. yeah, it would. Um, it's very different to being in a big city. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I think you'd get some interesting responses. Yeah, that would be fun. I've been wanting to do that. So, And then I keep, see, I forgot that you were actually in a small town because I think Australia, I think of you know, Sydney and Melbourne, but yeah, there are a few little yeah. towns in between. <laughs> <laughs> One or two. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, awesome. So what, uh, what's happening these days? You're, uh, so now that you're back, do you have any projects, any, any new trips coming up? Um, no trips at the moment. I'm, I'm working on some, um, so I'm writing some eBooks at the moment and, um, doing some storyboarding for some online video training that, uh, that I'm planning. So that's keeping me pretty busy. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's just dive into the Q&A segment. So because we were just on a workshop and, um, and we were thinking of doing this show during a workshop, we asked listeners to submit some questions regarding workshops and from a student's perspective and from a instructor's perspective. And, uh, but their questions, they're actually will be, um, 
more broad uh, as well. So uh, whether you've ever been on a workshop or intending to go or never want to do one, I think the, you know, the questions will be relevant anyways. So let's just jump right in with a question sent to us by Sean Bresny. And he asked, what's your thoughts on students that try to set up or direct a subject on the street? He continues to say, I was on a workshop once and a student paid a woman on the streets to do some stage poses and walks. He adds, I have an open view on street photography, but this one seemed to have crossed the line. What's your take? Oh, I have my take on that. Ken, you go first. Okay, I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess that we're probably both pretty similar here. Oh. I think that it's um, it is crossing the line. It, it, although the definition of street photography is very broad and, and I don't like to think of anyone being the street photography police and defining exactly what it is. But I think that sort of steps over the boundary a little bit too much. To me, street photography is capturing a moment that's occurring on the streets mm -hmm. or asking someone for a street portrait. But actually setting something up and paying for it is not something that I would do. I know that that is uh, <laughs> that was really crossing the line. I mean, especially when yeah. he said, "Paid a woman, you know, to to oh. to walk across." <laughs> that's just that's just odd. Like, like, slow down so I can catch the right step or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it, that's it, odd. you're starting to step into the into the realms of a, a paid model shoot. When exactly. You're doing that. It, it's yeah. no longer street photography. I, not in my eyes, anyway. Yeah. I don't think it is. Now, I, I totally agree. Unless you disclose it. You know, that's fine. I, I think if uh, if it's somebody you know or... Well, remember, Ken, a few years back when we were in Paris on the workshop and it was raining cats and dogs <laughs> at Montmartre. And um, we we were working on the steps. And, um, and s you and two others were trying to get some long exposures. And, uh, and then... Um, I walked up and down the stairs because I had this really cool umbrella that I borrowed from you, I believe. And I said, That's well, right. can we just... So I went up and down and up and down because they were practicing. But nobody posted those pictures saying, oh, you know, this was a candid moment. I mean, they were all said, oh, here is our uh, workshop leader, Valerie, you know, up and down the steps, steps at Montmartre. And it was... A, We had a blast. Um, well, I was, <laughs> I got my exercise for sure. Uh, <laughs> and that was, and that was fine. You know, we were, they were practicing a technique and, um, and there were not very many people going up and down the stairs. So to practice the technique, I volunteered, uh, because at least I was French. So they had some authenticity, <laughs> but, right. but it was, wrong. it wasn't a candid moment. Uh, it was practicing a technique. But here it sounds like it was more just finding somebody interesting on the street and maybe having them, you know, do what they were, do what they just did over again so that yeah. they could catch the moment. Uh, that's what it sounds like. Or maybe they had the right light and they just asked somebody to walk through that light. That's how I assume the situation was. Yeah, it, it sounds to me like exactly that, that, um, this person paid the woman to keep repeating things so that they could get the yeah. image, quote, unquote. Um, I have no problems with approaching someone and talking to them and, and asking to make a street portrait. Mm -hmm. I've, done lots of, I've done lots of street portraits. I have no issues with that. But actually paying someone and then staging them and, and completely setting up 
a shot other than just posing someone for a portrait is just just doesn't seem right to me. That is not street photography. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think we both agree on that. And really, it defeats the purpose. Uh, what fun is there? You know, there is absolutely no challenge at all. Well, that's um, right. And and the what's fun about street photography is the extreme challenge of of catch of catching the moment, you know, the decisive moment. And if you stage it, yeah, it's a cool photo, but it's not a street it's not street photography and it's in what street photography is all about. Well that's right. It it just becomes a staged photograph. Yeah. A model exactly. a model shoot, like I said before. So it to me, it just doesn't fit into street photography. It, it just, it's the complete opposite to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So definitely not something I would, um, I would <laughs> encourage my students to do on a workshop for sure. Uh, but again, if you want to practice a technique and you have a, a um, somebody, but then, then that's all disclosed. You can't just claim it as a candid moment. Um, similarly to photojournalism, I was just last night at a really good presentation about the ethics of the photojournalist uh, at the Minneapolis Photo Center. And, um, and we discussed that. I mean, it's amazing what they need to disclose if anything was just altered or, or if they ask somebody to to do anything, they, they, I mean, they can't use those photographs. I mean, a good photojournalist will definitely mm -hmm. only um, use photos that have are completely candid. Yeah. And uh, it was quite uh, so similar to to how we feel about street photography. So it was an interesting discussion. So, Sean, I hope this answers your question. Um, definitely a, a big no-no um, and not something for sure I would encourage anyone to do on or out, outside of a workshop. Uh, because, well, then what's the point? You might as well be, a, you know you might as well be do a fashion shoot on the street, for example, and set it up and, um, and show it as that. And that's totally fine. Just that is not street photography. And that's right. It's just a different genre. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not street. Yeah, so. exactly. So I think, uh, I think that's pretty clear, and I'm sure the, the listeners will, will agree with us there. Okay, next question. Okay, the next question comes from... Uh, Kimberly Britt-Saros, and Kimberly asks, where did you learn how to structure your workshops? So I think this is an ideal question for you, Valerie. Yes. Um, well, I, I, came up with, I came up with it on my own, and I think that is so important not to try to copy somebody else's workshop because then it's not you. Um, and I never I, – I, I launched my first workshop – without ever having been on one. And I think that was that was actually good for me because it was all me. And um and it shows in, in I mean your personality like everything else you do, your personality comes out in uh in the in the way you design things. And uh although there is no magic formula and and there are some I mean it it only makes sense you know, you can only run workshops a certain way. I mean, there are several ways to do it, but um, like some some workshops, the instructor doesn't go on the photo walk with the students. Well, to me, that would defeat the purpose of running a workshop. I love to be on the streets. I love the I love to to work with my students. Um, so, 
I definitely go on the photo walks, but not every workshop is designed that designed that way. So I just did it the way I felt I would want it to be if I was a student, basically. And I think that's that's where you that's how you need to to do it. And it changes over the years. I mean, I've I've definitely uh, changed the way I do things from from the first workshop till now in several years of doing this you make things um you fine tune all the time and it's important to ask for feedback from your students so you you make some changes that you feel are going to make things um better or even easier on me because you know it's uh people don't realize how how demanding it is to to run a, especially week-long workshops and i used to do two back to back so uh two weeks of, of workshops is is a lot of work but so you try to to make continued improvement and you get that from um asking feedback from the students but um i think f- when you design your own workshop you have to follow your heart and it has to show your personality so um yeah it's good to pick some ideas from if you're a workshop attendee you will definitely pick some ideas from different workshop you attended before you launch your own but um i think it's good to um that it's you you a hundred percent and i coach a lot of people into um designing their own workshops or i have i don't have much time now but um and that's really something that's important it's just that yeah i can't give you a recipe um it just needs to be you what do you think, Ken? You're, you're starting to, to run your own workshops. I am. Um, I'm doing local workshops here in, in little old Kapunda where I live, um, which are very small at the moment. I think you're right, though. It needs to be authentic. Mm-hmm. There's no use trying to copy or emulate someone else because it just comes across as, uh, as not real, not authentic. It's not you. If you try to be someone that you're not, it just doesn't work and people see through it. Yeah. So I think um, exactly what you say, work out what what you would like if you were on the on the workshop as a student. How would you like it to run? What would you like to see? What would you like to do? And do that. And um, I have to say, having been on four of your workshops now, I think you do them very, very well. Thank you. Well, you come from pretty far each time, (laughs) except for the one in Australia where you were actually, uh, well, still a few hours away, but. (laughs) That's right. It takes me a week of travel to get there. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, and it's like, it's for everything else. The easiest way to be is to be you. Because, yes, you can try to fake it, but it's not going to last. The pressure (laughs) would be way too much. And eventually, that it's it's going to show. So That's wrong. I am me and everything I do. And nobody's ever surprised when they meet me because <laughs> what you see is what you get. And yeah, um, that's and whether I just I just did a, a class for uh, linda.com and and nothing was scripted, nothing was rehearsed. It was just me being me. And and the reviews have been great because and this is the thing people said it's so authentic, um, and um, and yeah, being you is the easiest way to be. So hey, <laughs> I mean it is. I mean it's like people that continually tell lies. You have to try and remember yes. what lie you told to what person and try and stay on top of it. Oh god, much much easier to just tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. Be you. Be authentic. You don't have to remember anything then. It's- <laughs> You, just you. That's so, right. Oh, that yeah. would be way too much work <laughs> to try to remember. Oh, that's yeah. funny. That's so, a good, yeah. so, good analogy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's it's great. I mean, as I said, your workshops, I, I really thoroughly enjoy them. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have come back to do four. <laughs> and you, you do, you, you're authentic. You are exactly, as you say, what you see is what you get. Um, you, you're enthusiastic. And I, I, I don't know how to say it really. You, you teach without actually teaching, if that makes sense. You can be walking around having a conversation and you're just pushing out the knowledge that you have mm-hmm. and people are absorbing it without being a, like a, it's not a structured, this is what you do now, yeah. A, B, C, D, E. You just, it's just general conversation and before you know it, you've learned a whole bunch of new things that um, you weren't expecting to learn. So I think you do them very well. Thank you, thank you, um, and uh, and and there is no yeah there is no right or wrong way to do it. I think uh, you know do it the the way you want, and then for the attendee, I mean, know what you want. I mean, do you want to um, to be sent on an assignment? Then then there are workshops where that's that's how it is. For me, I like to I like to give assignments, but I like to come along, and that way that gives me time to. Um, to do some one-on-one with my students um, on various photo walks because, of course, we don't stay as a group. We go from point A to point B together, then we split up for like an hour, an hour and a half, then we regroup. And during that time, then I can go, I can do one-on-one with students for an hour here, an hour there. And uh, and that's that's awesome. And I truly enjoy it. You have to do it if you love it. That is not something, you cannot do workshop if you don't love it. 110%. It's uh, it's like weddings. <laughs> it would get old really quickly if you're not thoroughly enjoying yourself. So um, it has to come through. If if you're not contagious, if the passion is not contagious, then you might as well do something else. That's my that's my take on yeah, it. Yeah, look, if you don't enjoy talking to people, you don't enjoy teaching people and being around people, don't yeah. do workshops. Yeah, that's true. And uh yeah. And there is, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, you have to make sure everybody stays, you know, happy and uh, mm-hmm. you have to be upbeat no matter what and uh, deal with issues if they come up. And so it's, you wear a lot of hats when you're a workshop um, instructor. Uh, so it's um, definitely very rewarding and I wouldn't want to do anything else. I just absolutely love it. But it is a lot of work. Uh, so you've well, got to love it. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm just thinking back to um, to Rome, and, and everyone got on really well in Rome. I, I had, I think it was a fantastic group of people. But you've got ten students, you know, ten different personalities. Yeah. You've got um, six four different logistics. from six different countries, so yeah, yeah, different right. cultures, yeah, yeah, different cultures, different personalities, um, different likes and dislikes, whether it be. Um, food or what you know there's all sorts of things that you have to take into consideration yeah. there's the logistics of the hotel and everything else before you even get there there's a lot of work involved and um takes a, a, a lot of organizing i think yeah yeah so i hope this answers the question um for kimberly uh we have questions from steve brokaw who asks, what's the best equipment to bring on a street photography workshop okay i'll uh, i'll send that one to you ken um, okay, Fuji X100S, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite camera. Look, uh, I think the reality is the, the best equipment is the, the equipment that you are comfortable with. 
that you are familiar with that you can use without thinking too much about. If that happens to be a DSLR, then bring it, bring a DSLR. I think you're better off with a smaller camera, minimal equipment. You, you don't need flashes. You don't. You don't. Although some people do use them, you don't need lights when you're out doing street photography. Just go with whatever lights there. It's part of the scene. It sets the the um, the mood for the photograph. If it's dark and moody, it's dark and moody. Exactly. You know, that, that's what you're trying to capture. You capture in the streets. So I personally don't worry about taking any artificial lighting. And I travel really light, one camera, one lens. You know, as I, I said at the beginning, jokingly, but um, I generally, when I'm doing street photography, I have a, a Fujifilm X100S mm-hmm. fixed focal length, 23 millimeters, um, in full frame equivalent, 35 millimeter, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's all I take with me. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's um, in my list of uh, what to bring on a workshop that I sent to my students. <laughs> uh, that part is actually pretty short. I said, bring the camera you're most familiar with. And um, if it's your DSLR, bring your DSLR. But bring a, a fixed focal length lens um, because I think that's really important to, to um, grow in your craft as a photographer uh, to work with a fixed lens once in a while. Um, But if they have a new camera, to practice with it for many weeks before they come on the workshop. Because I've had that where people get a brand new camera just before they just before they get on the plane. And uh, that is not a good idea because I don't know every camera brand. I can't help them. And, and that's not something you want to waste your time doing on a workshop is know how to learn your know how to use your camera or learn um, in learn post processing. Those are things you can you can learn in your own, you know, at, at home. So if you're in Paris or wherever, uh, you don't want to waste any of your precious time on the streets trying to figure out your new gear. So bring whatever you're conf- comfortable with. If you have a backup, bring a backup. I mean, it's happened that people, you know, drop their camera. I've never had, um, well, that's never happened on my workshop. I don't think I've ever in the hundreds of students over the years. I don't think anybody's ever dropped anything or had anything stolen, but that could happen. So if you have a backup, I mean, your backup could simply be your your phone if uh, you're a street photographer. But um, it's nice to have a, a, a backup at the hotel in case something happens. And uh, it's the fr- I'm, I need to point out that it's the first time on workshops this this uh, in Rome this year that there were absolutely no DSLRs in the group. Usually, there's still well, it's funny because about four years ago there would be one mirrorless and nine DSLRs, <laughs> and now it's more like eight mirrorless, two DSLRs, you know, at most. And this time in Rome, there were it were all mirrorless cameras, um, about you know three different brands, but yeah, all every, mirrorless. Everyone's traveling. Yeah, mm-hmm. Everyone's traveling lighter. Yes, definitely lighter. And and even when we have uh, when I still have a DSLR or two on the workshop, and again, I really don't care what people shoot with as long as they're out there and they they you know 
they work at getting better and they enjoy themselves. But uh, even the few DSLR shooters usually had a smaller camera with them. And so they uh, they they bring the DSLR out for one day and then the rest of the week they, <laughs> they take out their smaller <laughs> camera. So uh, for some people, it's a it's a step process, you know, to let go. And yeah. uh, and that's OK. I mean, I I think when you switch um, and that's a whole different conversation, but when you switch to. Um, a, a camera such as a rangefinder type camera, it's good to just switch and not look back because um, then you'll get really familiar with it. Um, and uh, and if you go back and forth, it's it's going to make it a lot harder to get used to it. But um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So travel light and uh, bring a backup and lots of batteries. Right. <laughs> There's lots of batteries. They do. Um, I guess. It, it's a, the nature of the beast. The cameras are smaller, therefore there's physically less room. Sure. The, the batteries have to be smaller. And, you know, physics works in funny ways. There's only so much power you can get into that size battery. So yeah. they do tend to go through them a fair bit. So I think but, I carried five batteries for my X100. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's it's a good idea. And I, I really think that's important to have ex- more than you think you're going to need, either in mm-hmm. memory cards or batteries, because... Um, I've I've had on a workshop someone who said, "Oh shoot, I I filled my memory card," and then they're just going and trying to delete uh, some of the pictures they don't think they're going to use. Well, you don't want to be in that situation, so it's so cheap now. Just bring extras, and mm-hmm. then um, also extra batteries because you don't want to limit yourself because you you're on your last battery and it's almost dead. And you know how it is. You know, once it's on the red, there is you don't even have a picture left in there. So. <laughs> So bring extras because you're you travel far to be on this amazing adventure. You don't want to have to limit yourself because you you didn't think of getting buying you know three batteries uh, and you thought two would do. But um, so just plan for that. Cool. And of course, um, Murphy yeah. would be right on your tail if you ran out of batteries. The best photograph That's of right. the whole week would have happened right in front of you when you couldn't take the couldn't make the image. For sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay. Uh, one more question. We may have time for a few more if we don't speak too long on them. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, from Kimberly Britseros again. So when doing a critique, does your style affect how you feel about another person's work? That's a really quick, good question. Um, because I, this really made me think. Um no, and, and critiques are very subjective anyways. I mean, photography, uh, <laughs> it's like I can only give you tips on how to make a better picture next time or how to make a stronger picture. It's about pointing out things that could have worked better that mm-hmm. maybe you missed. Uh, Sometimes they're very obvious, such as, okay, now you have this awesome subject, this awesome backdrop, but look, you caught them in between steps, so that ruined the shot. Okay, so those are obvious things that you can definitely work on making a stronger image next time. You're not going to fix that one. 
But um, that's not the point of a critique. A critique is never to fix whatever photograph is in front of you, is to not repeat the same mistakes. Um, but sometimes I see photographs that are completely different. That things that, And I always love that when I see something I've never seen before. And it may not be my style at all. Um, I mean, people know me. I'm, I'm more minimalist. I'm not in your face. But sometimes I see photographs of people really up close that are just amazing and uh, and I don't let my style and what I like influence how I'm going to react to that photograph um, I see a lot of time photographs I so wish I had taken <laughs> and there is nothing to, there's nothing to say I mean this is just awesome there is not always something to to fix and a critique is not negative it should never be negative it should always be constructive because there is always something good there's always something good to say but there are always room for improvement uh, on some rare occasion there isn't I mean there is you know sometime it's just as good as it's gonna get but um You should not let your personal preference and the way you shoot things influence you when you critique others' work. So, yeah, but, uh, but that's a really interesting question. What do you think, Ken? Well, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that everyone has different likes and dislikes. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of art. And I think photography is definitely an art form. So what I like, you may not, and vice versa. Yeah. Just because I don't like quote, unquote, a particular style of image doesn't mean that it's a bad image. So when I've done critiques here locally, I, I always look at the image and I look at the general aesthetics of it. I look at um, the uh, the technical aspects of it and, yeah. Yeah, and things like on, on people walking, the stepping action and that type of thing and try to give advice on how it could be stronger, like you said, or how, how it could improve where I think that image may have been, may have worked better if something was different. Mm -hmm. But I don't say that I don't like the image. No. I don't think I've ever told anyone I don't like an image. Well, I can say categorically I've never told anyone that I don't like the image. Even if I think to myself, yeah, not my style, I really wouldn't have shot that. I always look for something positive and, um, and give it to them and, and some positive critique as well to, to yeah. help make the image better. So, yeah, I, I don't believe in the harsh, you know, criticism like, oh, that sucks. You know, <laughs> it's not something well, you'll hear me sound a critique. Sometimes no. I'll say, okay, I don't, you know, what did you try to, what did you try to, to tell uh, with this? Because... You know, maybe there's just a, just a snapshot and there is nothing there. And then, but then we can really build on that. Okay. So in this situation, what could have worked better? What is not working? Is it, is it the subject? You think maybe the subject is not strong enough and maybe you could have waited a little longer for the right subject to come through the frame. There is always something to build on, but mm -hmm. just saying, no, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. You don't get anything out of that. All it does is traumatizes you. And, uh, the last thing I want to do is Turn, uh, turn people off from going out there and trying to get better pictures. I mean, that's the whole goal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think there's a, there's a difference between critique and criticism. Yeah. And if you just say, that sucks, yeah. then you're criticizing it, yeah. but you're not critiquing it. You're not helping them to get better. Exactly. Now, I, I've looked at images and I've thought to myself, oh, yeah, where do I start? And the place that I start was saying, Tell me about this image. Yep. What, what were you thinking when you took this image and, and what was in your mind? And I, and I get that person to tell me about that photograph. 
and then you pick up clues from what they say and then yeah. you start talking about them. Yeah, so, because ultimately we were not there. You exactly. Know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And everyone's in a different stage of their photographic journey. Exactly. To, um, to make a, a quote, I guess. Um, some people are right at the beginning, they're learning, they're still learning about composition or about how their camera works or whatever it might be. And other people may have been doing it for many years and are, and are seasoned veterans at it. Well, the critique's going to be different for each one of those people. So yeah. you have to tailor it so that you don't, don't knock people down. Um, you need to build them up and you don't build people up by constant criticism. That, that's right. That, exactly right. Well, that kind of ties into the to the question, uh, question number five. Do you want to read it from Alec Osterman? Um, what level of expertise do I need to have? Um, well, that, you know, again, people come with at different levels, and uh, some workshops are tailored more for beginners or advanced. Uh, in street photography, it's really hard to do that. So, all levels welcome. And I'm always so surprised how sometimes the some complete newbies are <laughs> just show me some of the best work. Uh, but if you're a beginner, you made, you know, the first, the, the tough part may be to actually approach strangers or how to get over your fear of photographing strangers and so forth. And, and then people that are more advanced that have been shooting street photography for, for several years, um, will then I will look for, um, they will challenge themselves on a different level. I mean, I've had students that have been on four or five, six workshops with me, and they've just, you know, they're, they're so far from where they started. So when I see them on a new workshop, they work on something much, they challenge themselves. They, mm-hmm. they, they go from making a street, a good street photograph to making a much stronger one by looking for more difficult techniques or difficult light and so forth. So uh, really on a workshop, and you should not be afraid to be at any level. You, no matter what level you're at, you're going to learn and you're going to grow. Um, and, uh, and it's also, um, you know, you will learn from the instructor, you will learn from the other students. So it's really in street photography, I think it's important to, to embrace all levels because we all have something to learn from each other anyways. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've said before, it doesn't matter how good you are or how good you think you are, you always learn something when you take part in a, in a workshop, providing you go there with an open mind, you go there and you participate, you go there to learn. If you go there with an open mind, with the, yeah, the intention of learning, then you're going to learn something, no matter what level you come in at, you're always going to pick up something. So I think attitude when you go there is more important than your level of expertise when you when you first go on the workshop um there are workshops that are much more um narrow in uh, in their approach where you're going to just learn one specific thing for but they usually not they usually like one day sometime a weekend i mean i teach week long and weekends but weekends is just pure street photography and no matter yeah no matter what level you learn something. I learned something, and actually ties it into our last question. Ken, you want to read that one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so this one's from Stephanie, and Stephanie asks, "What have you learned from your students?" Yeah, and again, that's uh, I learned from my students 
all the time. I mean, we all learn from each other. No matter what level, how long you've been doing this, uh, we all see different things. We all have different life experiences that influence our style. So we learn from each other. And and the best part about... Um, the best part is the camaraderie, and uh, we have so much fun. I mean, it, it's always so sad. I mean, there are tears at every every goodbye. You know that, Ken. <laughs> yes, there've been a few. <laughs> so you know, you spend whether you spend a weekend or a week with a, a small group. Um, everybody leaves with um, renewed vision, and um, whether it's the instructor or the student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I've made friends with people on workshops going back several years, and we still keep in constant touch now. So <laughs> you you do you pick up new friends, and everyone helps each other, and you tend to learn and, and go along. Um, you go with the flow, I guess, and, and you pick up different things from different people. So I think they're fantastic. Yeah, it's a fun way to learn if you can uh, if mm. you can join join one, whether it's my workshop or one of Ken's or anyone else that you you admire and want to learn from. Um, you know, whether it's a day or a week, it could be in your hometown, it could be far away. It's just a fun way to. To kind of unplug from your daily life and and really live 100% photography and mm. with friends and never have to hurry up. Uh, are you done with that shot yet? You know, and we all yeah. we all live with non photographers. You know, I mean, <laughs> some of us live with photographers, but there are people in you know in your close uh, family or, or groups of friends who are not photographers. It's hard to impose our photography on them so if you can just spend a little bit of time um, with only photographers or even you know photo walks start some photo walks in your and you know it doesn't have to be a workshop you know uh start a photo walk group where you are going to spend a few hours with photographers and photographers only it's the best thing because um then you're completely immersed in it and um and yeah street photography is more of a, a lone um, you know, something you shoot alone most of the time, but um, the social aspect around it is a lot of fun too, and it's a good way to um, to share ideas and uh, and get motivated to to try something new. Exactly. I mean, it, street photography is a little hard to hunt in packs, so yeah, you know, you're not going to have. <laughs> seven, eight, nine people all sort of moving around together looking for that photograph. You break up and you, you go away individually or maybe in pairs. But then after that time, that hour and a half, two hours, you get back together and you talk and you look at the, the back of each other's cameras and you admire shots that someone else got. You go, oh, where did you get that? I walked yeah. straight past there and I didn't see that. You know, So you start talking and, and learning and, and teaching each other a, a little as you go as well. So yeah, def- I think they're a great environment. De- yeah. Definitely. And um, and if a workshop is not in your future, you know, again, find a find a photo walk group in your mm. in your area. They're everywhere. So and if you don't have one, just start one. It only starts. It only takes one other photographer to start one, and then you'll you'll be surprised how fast it will grow. So it's uh it's always fun. Okay. Well, I think uh, we spent a lot of time on the questions, but I they were they were all very good questions. We didn't even get to all of them, but uh, thank. 
thank you for submitting those. And now we are going to announce the winners of the last treat challenge. And the theme was humor. There were quite a few fun shots in there. Uh, and once again, Ken and I picked the same picture. <laughs> <laughs> that happens uh, on about nine out of ten shows, uh, so that says a lot. Um, so originally we both picked. Um, well, no, let's just go with your pick. We had two. We had two favorites, and they were the two, the two same favorites. So we we don't need to say who was runner up or not. So uh, Ken, who is your pick? Okay, well, my pick is um, a photograph by Jane Shears. And Jane's photograph is of a, a, a nun, a sister walking along the road in her habit and her um, very plain running shoes, walking shoes. And she's walking straight past a, a window full of mannequins wearing lingerie. And you can just see, she's just glancing towards the window, looking at, at the mannequins or towards the mannequins. And I'll start to wonder what's going through her head, what she's thinking about, you know, whether whether she's enjoying seeing them or whether she's thinking it's a terrible thing or, or, or whatever. I've got this whole sort of story running around in my head and trying to work out what she's saying. I think it's a great image. It, it is great. And we must say that Jane was actually on the Rome workshop. So she's your new uh, New Zealand, New Zealander. You say that? For she's New from, Zealander. She's yeah. from New, new Zealand. She lives in Australia. And uh, she she was on the same workshop as Ken. So we want to disclose that it is not the reason why we this picture was picked. <laughs> it's just a great shot. Uh, when I saw it, I was, uh, I was really proud of my student because I know the whole story behind the shot. Uh, we were walking. Uh, it was one of our last photo walks actually and I um, I saw this lingerie store and I was ahead and this priest walked by and I shot this picture and as I was waiting for everybody to regroup I pointed that store and I said you know this is a really good backdrop for a fun photograph if you wait for the for the right subject and then the group split up again and I think Jane went back to that spot and got this amazing shot of the nun in front of the lingerie store which uh which is just I, it really made me happy that she got such a great shot so uh look for those you know in uh billboards work well for humor um you can if you have patience you have a little bit of time and patience you wait for the right subject um i mean so this one was a little bit easier to get in rome than anywhere else <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> wait as long <laughs> <laughs> but uh wherever you are something something like similar will happen so uh so be be prepared uh yeah. so congratulations jade the, the other thing i like about the image just before we move on is the stepping action um the jane's captured the nun just stepping her her um right leg yeah. is just starting to lift her foot off the ground her, her left leg is down she's right in stride so yeah. so she's got the stride right she's got the glance towards the window just walking into the frame everything's sort of lined up perfectly i think it's great yeah it is it is great so uh and uh, our other favorite shot is um by mark silberman and it's called you too with a question mark and it's um it's a photograph of a uh, of of uh, someone walking 
a child on a leash and <laughs> passing someone or crossing someone who is walking a dog on a leash. And, and this is a great example of reacting quickly to humor. It's the, to, to a situation. Humor is so difficult. First of all, you have to see it and you have to, to capture it. Okay. There is the, the way, the way Jane did where she saw the possibility she waited. This from Mark was a quick reaction to something that was happening. Maybe he followed this this person with this child on a leash for a little while, thinking, well, eventually, well, you know, there'll be somebody with a dog on a leash. But um, he had to react to this situation fast. And uh, and he did it well. I mean, <laughs> the, everybody's on the same step. Uh, the dog is, the, the child is looking at the dog, and it really looks like, you know, they're like, oh, on a leash too and um, it's subtle humor and that's what I like in street photography it doesn't have to be roll on the floor funny I think subtle is better and this is really well seen and well done so um, yeah, I think I think it's good. Everything sort of works together, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. I mean, it has even leading lines and everything. I mean, this is really, yeah. um, really a great shot. So, uh, congratulations to both Jane and Mark, and they will each receive an ebook of their choice from our friends at Rocky Nook. Okay, uh, well, we have a new, new challenge uh, for the month of May, and. It's shadows. We've done shadows before. A long, long time ago, it was one of the early episodes. So it's been about a year and a half now. So please, new pictures, if possible. Um, you know, I'd rather you don't submit the same picture you did um, back in, you know, 2014. But um, shadows, do you have any tips, um, Ken? Um, look, look for interesting shapes in mm -hmm. shadows. Um it depends what what you're doing. I guess the, you can look for shadows that are created by buildings or billboards or other obstacles, uh, and creating a shaft of light. So you've got that uh, contrast between the light and the shadow, and, the, and you know, wait for people to walk into the shaft of light or into the shadows or, or that, that type of thing. Or you can look for interesting shadows on the ground created by the low low angle of the sun, whether it be rising or setting. So just keep an eye out for shadows that are interesting. Sometimes the shadow is the story, I think, rather yeah. than the, the picture, the, the shadow cast on the wall from someone walking by can appear to be completely different to what's actually happening on the sidewalk. Yeah. So, Sometimes you have the shadow without the mm, person in the frame. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, now I'm thinking we may have had this <laughs> shadow challenge not that far. I can't remember. Oh, well, I even if we've had it twice <laughs> already, <laughs> I should have double checked, but it's okay. Just uh, we can't get tired of shadows. They're awesome. Look for uh, point of views, you know, from up above. If you can stand on a bridge or uh, mm -hmm. higher up and look for those long shadows from above is really a, a cool way to do it. So um, submit your best shadow shot. And sorry if we've done this one twice. I have to go back now. I have some doubt. That's okay. Uh, May 26 is the deadline. Uh, shadows. And... Shadows. Um, 
Yep. I was just going to say, shadows are everywhere. You can't have too many shadows. Exactly. So. As long as you have a, as long as you have a sunny day, <laughs> some places may be more of a challenge than others. But uh, yeah, no, I can't remember. We just re- we just did reflections, but I don't think we did shadows for a while. But I could be wrong because sometimes I look at the there are challenges happening too on the on the street focus Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So I get those two mixed up sometimes. So my apologies <laughs> if we just did shadows a few months ago. But anyways, May twenty sixth. And uh, you have to enter your pictures on episode, on the show notes of episode 85, this episode. Okay, great. Pick of the week. Uh, Ken, what do you have for us? Okay, well, even though I said that I travel light, I take my Fuji X100S, which is a fixed focal length wide angle lens uh, camera. My pick of the week is actually the Fuji 18 to 135 lens, or if you shoot Nikon or Canon or, or another brand, the equivalent, sort of the 28 to 200 millimeter range on, on full frame. If you are not comfortable with a, a, a prime lens, particularly a wide lens, then something in, in this range, the 18 to 135 for the Fuji or the 28 to 200 on the full frame, gives you the best of, of both worlds. You get that wide angle, you get the, that mid telly so that you can get closer, but you don't have to change lenses. Mm-hmm. So and just uh, travel, it gives you that photog- flexibility. Yeah, for travel photography, that's a good tip. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Street photography, I, I always take my Fuji, my X100S. It's yeah. just what I'm comfortable with and, and I like the angle of view. But if you're out tra- uh, capturing other things, you're not just doing street photography, then you, you may want to get closer um, with a longer lens. So th- this is a good compromise, I think, the, uh, the 18 to 135 or its equivalent in, in Nikon or, or um, Canon, Sony, yeah. and third-party lenses. So. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a good lens uh, for sure. I don't um, – it's funny. I really have a hard time getting used to using a Zoom. I <laughs> – <laughs> I said, do it for an hour. I'm like, no, no, I can't do this. So, and I just don't even want to have that option. It's funny. It's like, no, I don't care if I can't remove that, <laughs> that lens. It works for me. So, um, but yeah, some people need more flexibility. And, um, and if, if you want to just carry one lens, um, and you're not sure which focal length, that's definitely, uh, the one to, uh, the one to get. Um, well, it sort of gives you the best of both worlds, yeah. doesn't it? You, you get that wide angle mm-hmm. equivalent and, and not too long and it's not too big and heavy to carry around. So it's a good compromise. And if you want to practice using a fixed focal length, well, you don't have to switch the focal length on it. You can just keep it mm-hmm. at 35 or at 50 or whatever and practice with that for a day. You know, it's not because you have a zoom that you have to use it. Um, exactly. You can certainly set some limitations and, and learn to work with a fixed focal length with that lens as well. And then you have exactly the, bo- the best of both worlds, as you said. Um, awesome. My pick is the Think Tank battery holders. <laughs> finally, finally got some uh, little pouches to put my batteries. Because, okay, so those batteries now, and I don't know if it's a regulation with the with all airlines or what, but they're supposed to be on your carry on, right, Ken? Yeah, that's right. It, it is. It's uh, international aviation laws. Okay. Um, li- lithium batteries cannot go into the cargo hold anymore. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm sure some people still don't know that, but it's so important because they can actually 
they can explode, right? Yeah, that's right. They, um, at certain under certain conditions, they can expand and the the lithium leaks, and then they catch fire, yeah. which is not a, th- a thing that you want to happen on. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. so you and they need to be stored separately, right? Correct. They Correct. cannot touch each other when they're in your carry on either. So. It, it and I was, I did fine, you know. I wrapped them individually and everything, but it was kind of a pain. And I thought, okay, those little pouches that cost a lot of money for what they are, because really it's like eighteen dollars for that little pouch, uh, which I think is probably, you know, that's it, it's 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 a lot of money for what it is, but it's so convenient. It was well worth it. So um, Think Tank has them. I'm sure a lot of other brands have them, but it's a little Velcro pouch with individual holders for your batteries. And I'm glad I have it because when you're at the airport and if they ask you to empty your carry-on, well, at least all your batteries are in one place, but they don't touch each other. You're you're good to go. You don't have to explain anything. Um, and um, and it is important to follow those regulations. I mean, those are safety regulations. Sure. And uh, exactly anything that can make your life a little easier when you're on that uh, <laughs> when you have to empty everything, which just happened to you, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> You had to take everything out of your bags. Yeah, a full, full packed Rome airport and um, every camera, every lens, every battery, every charger, every lead, every hard drive, uh, all, all laid out there. And I went but through like a charm. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. And and, uh, and you were on a busy day. My, I went through, it was uh, well, it was super early in the morning in Rome, and I just left, and I couldn't believe how easy it was. I mean, it was so orderly and everything. Um, so you never know when you they're going to ask you to empty everything, so try to have everything contained <laughs> as much as possible. It makes life a lot easier, let me tell you, because I had my batteries wrapped individually. I need to get one of those um, think tank pouches. Yeah, I mean, they're well worth it. I bought two, so I was out almost 40 bucks, but (laughs) I think uh, (laughs) now I'll be be glad I have that uh, when I I fly to Paris uh, in a couple of weeks. Okay, uh, any special announcements? Um, not uh, not a lot at the moment. I'll look, I'll, as I said before, I'm working on some uh, storyboarding, some video training that I'm doing at the moment, and working on putting together some workshops of my own. And um, one piece of news that I may just announce, if I may, I've, I've been asked to participate in the South Australian Living Artists um, Exhibition, which is... Uh, it's, a, it's a statewide exhibition in, in South Australia here and regional areas have smaller exhibitions scattered throughout the state. So I'm one of the 11 that have been invited to participate in the the regional ex- exhibition up here in Kapunda where I live. So I'm looking forward to that. That's in August. Congratulations. So Thank will you. you be showing some of your Rome pictures? Um, no, I won't this time. It has to, the, one of the um, the stipulation for this particular exhibition is that it has to be an image made or a, a piece of artwork that is made here and is significant for this area. That so, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so um, it'll be local photographs for this one. Awesome. Well, congratulations. And uh, uh, announcements. Well, I'll probably have way too many to list here, but my first live action course is on lynda.com. It was released last week and it was uh, 
short course, kind of a test course. And it was been hugely popular. It's only been out for a week. Um, and we shot it in uh, San Francisco uh, in February. And uh, there will be many more to come. So uh, watch for that if you're a lynda.com uh, subscriber. Uh, just Google my or search my name on there, and uh, it's a uh, it's a twenty minute um, story of a neighborhood um, on the streets in San Francisco. Thank and you, I'll, Ken. I'll, well, go ahead. I'll jump in and say I've have, I have watched it. I watched it two days ago, mm -hmm. and um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was well done. Thank you, thank you. Oh, I had fun doing it. It's kind of you know, you it's so strange to be. I mean, it's completely unscripted. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, it's just me being me, but um, you're followed by a video crew with big, big gear. Yes. They're not, you know, yes. using DSLR. They're using whatever you picture in a movie, on a movie set, but they're so good at it. I mean, they're, they're completely invisible. They, they're from, you know, they come from different, they're different angles and different side of the streets following me from far away. And they're just, it was so much fun. I, I thought, <laughs> I thought it would be intimidating, but it wasn't at all. And I had the great producer. Uh, it was just a blast. So I look forward to working on, uh, on more courses with lynda.com. Yeah, yeah they, they do a very good job. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very professional, that's for sure. Well, thank you, Ken, for staying up so late to join me on the show, and um, we'll definitely have you on again. And I'll see you. Uh, I don't know in another workshop. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> thank you for having me, Dada. It's been a pleasure, and um, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was some good questions. Yes, that that's uh, we can't have the Q and A without the questions. So please keep sending them to us, um, and you can do that now directly on the website uh, thisweekinphoto.com/slash/street. Uh, you can subscribe there. It's the the whole page was redone, so it's easier to submit questions, and they are directed to me um, from there. So if you go down, you scroll down to. Uh, Twip Street Focus and um, contact us uh, I will get those questions so that's a good way to do it or reach out to me on social media or via my website uh, Ken I forgot to ask you where can people see more of your work probably, well, probably the easiest go, go to my website which is www.kenlyonsphotography.com.au that's K-E-N-L-Y-O-N-S photography .com.au. Great. And I have links to social media on there. Sounds good. And uh, for me, Valérie Jardin Photography, all in one word. And I'm sure you all know how to spell it by now. So, and we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Please share on social media and uh, leave us a rating on iTunes. My name is Valérie Jardin and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets. <music>